You are listening to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 55. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie and welcome to episode 55. I am so excited to bring you another incredible interview. My guest today is a veteran blogger and a serial entrepreneur. She's done almost everything when it comes to online business and with great success too, building multiple six and seven figure businesses. But before we dive into the interview, if you're new to the podcast and don't know me yet, then welcome. I am Monica Louie and I'm a Facebook and Instagram ads strategist. And I run a successful ads agency where my team and I manage ads for six and seven figure online businesses. I'm also the creator of Flourish with Facebook ads, which is my online training program that teaches my step-by-step system for creating campaigns that convert. My team and I have managed more than $2 million in ad spend and served more than 800 students and clients. And we are in the trenches every single day, keeping a pulse on what's working now in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads. And while I absolutely love teaching about Facebook and Instagram ads, the goal of this podcast is to discuss what it really takes to build a seven-figure online business. And my guest today has built multiple six and seven figure businesses. I am so excited to bring you my interview with Tony Anderson. Tony started blogging in 2006 and is a quote unquote veritable dinosaur in this space. Those are her words, not mine. Her popular home management site, thehappyhousewife.com has been featured on CNN, HLN, ABC News, Entrepreneur, Zillow, Clark Howard, and Women's Day. She currently runs a conference for e-commerce sellers called the Seller Summit, as well as a blogging course at ProfitableOnlineBlog.com. Tony is a pro at communication, connection, and building profitable relationships in your business. She knows how to motivate, encourage, and challenge you to grow your audience and sell without selling out. And we talk about all of this and more in this episode. And if Tony sounds familiar, it may be because she was recently one of eight guests that we had on episode 48 of the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, how to homeschool and run your online business while keeping your sanity. And Tony has seven kids and is homeschooled while she's been growing all of her online businesses. And she's definitely an inspiration in so many ways. And we talk a lot about how she manages her time and maintains a sense of balance between family and her multiple business ventures in this episode. So I'm so excited to share this interview with you. So let's get right into it. But first, as always, you can find all the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 55. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E.com slash the number 55. All right, here's my interview with Tony Anderson from thehappyhousewife.com and profitableonlineblog.com. Hey, Tony, thank you so much for coming on the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I am so excited to have this conversation with you. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, so 
please tell people who you are, what you do today, because I know you've got a long, a long journey that I really want to dive into, but tell people who you are and what you do. All right. Well, my name is Tony Anderson and I got started as a blogger. Uh, so my main blog is thehappyhousewife.com. I've been blogging there since 2006, but officially 2008 is when I you know, got my own domain and everything like that. On top of that, I also sell jewelry online on Amazon and uh, my own Shopify site. Uh, so I've been doing e-commerce since 2015. And for years, ran a conference for bloggers that you guys might know about Digital Collab. Actually, I think that's where I met you Yes, there. And then I just launched a course for bloggers with uh, my business partner, Steve Chu. We actually have... We do a conference for... I love conferences. Can you tell? Uh, we do a conference for e-commerce sellers called Seller Summit. And just last year, he uh, is a, a big player in the e-commerce space, but his people were asking for more information on blogging uh, just to build up that content marketing side. So we launched a blogging course last November. So that's been taking up my time recently. Awesome. And that's ProfitableOnlineBlog.com. Yes. Correct? Yeah. Okay. So many things. This is so exciting. I know. <laughs> but you got started back in 2006 with blogging. So I mean, that's... I think that's before like I knew there was a thing around blogging <laughs> that that was a way to make money from home. So like what did your life look like before you started blogging cuz you've been I mean this has been your main thing or the online world's been your main thing for as long as I've known you and even longer but how did this all come about? What was your like did you have like corporate life another path that you were on that then you started blogging? What did that look like? Yeah, I have I have no corporate life experience at all. I actually was a bartender until I graduated from college and got married. And so that's my work experience is bartending and waiting tables. And then had a bunch of little kids and just, you know, really focused on our family. But I definitely am a little ADD. So I liked having little extra things. So I always worked like a little side job here and there. And then I discovered eBay and I think it was 1999. And I realized that I could put my two little kids in the back of our Nissan Altima with a little TV VCR player, you know, those like portable ones they used to make. You're probably not even old enough to remember this. But we would shove that between the two front seats and like put videos on for them. And then I would yard sale on all day Friday. And then I would take those items and list them on Saturday on eBay. And so I got into that in the very late, like right before, you know, Y2K. And I realized that, the, like, hey, there's ways to make money online. And this was back when online meant dial-up. So I did that for a couple of years. And then we got stationed overseas. And my husband was in the military. So that was kind of tough. So I took a little break. But then I got really involved in message boards. And the message boards led to the blogging. And then in 2008, my husband had been, he had been deployed to Iraq and had some medical issues from the deployment. And it looked like he might get discharged from the military without any retirement or medical or anything. And so at that point, we had six little kids and I thought, oh my goodness, my skills are yard sailing and bartending. I am in trouble. And so what I did was I took this little blog that I had been writing for a while and thought, okay, this is going to be a business. I don't know how to make it a business. I have no idea how these people make money. But I I knew of like JD Ross from Get Rich Slowly and Jim Wang. I knew of them. I didn't know them. But I thought, well, if they can make money, I can make money. And officially launched The Happy Housewife in... I think it was like January 20-something of 2008. 
And that's how I got started in the blogging world. Wow. And so what did it look like then? I mean, what was your first path to profit to actually make it a business? What was your goal or what was your strategy back then? I would say I had no strategy back then. Uh, in fact, I just told this story in our blog course a couple of weeks ago. My very, cause people always ask you, how long does it take to make money when you're a blogger? And because uh, some, sometimes people sensationalize that, right? And they're showing their income reports, but they don't tell you about the six years of hustle, you know, previous. I always say I got paid. My very first payment was in Twinkies. I did a sponsored campaign for Weight Watchers and they had these like Weight Watcher Twinkies. And so they paid me in Twinkies. And that was probably like three or four months in. But that was this pivotal moment in my blog because they had reached out to me and said, Hey, we found your blog. We love you. We, we love what you're writing about. Would you want to work with us? And it was sort of that moment of, wait a second. There are brands that want to work with you and they'll give you something in return. And although like you can't pay your rent with Twinkies, it it sort of got me thinking about this could be so much bigger. There's a lot of opportunity here. And I just need to figure out how to craft that the right way so that I can start making money that I can actually spend and not eat. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> I really like that. Um, I'm sure your kids were, were pretty happy about the Twinkies as well. And so, I mean, if Tony sounds familiar, she was also on episode 48 where we had lots of experts come in talking about homeschooling and running a business from home. And so all along the way, you've also been homeschooling your kids, correct? Yes. So yeah, I've started homeschooling actually right in 2000, right when I started eBay and have homeschooled almost the entire way. I had two kids that went all the way through from high school, you know, kindergarten to high school graduates. I've had a couple that have homeschooled and then gone into school just because I liked them better at school. And then I have a, a now this year, all my girls are back home again, homeschooling. They're doing virtual school, but they're home every day. So yeah, but that's one of the things that I love about all of these online businesses is that through all the things that I've done and the pivoting and you know moving towards e-commerce and things like that, the one thing has stayed the same is that I've been able to be around for my kids, which has always been basically my first priority. I love that. I mean, my goal too in figuring out how to make money from home is because I wanted that flexibility to determine my own schedule and be around for my kids, especially when they're young. So go back to episode 48 after this episode to check out her homeschooling tips because it is possible. I mean, Tony's proven it time and time again with not just one business, but multiple businesses over the years and multiple children over the years as yeah. well. <laughs> so um, I love that you're able to do all of this and I mean, maintain your family balance. And so with starting with blogging, then like what has changed? I mean, now you're running a blogging course with Steve Chu, who's also been on the podcast. So we'll link to that episode in the show notes. But I mean, so much has got to have changed, even just in the last few years that I've been in this online world. What has changed? Like what's working now that wasn't even an option back then? Well, it's funny because I feel like everything's changed, yet nothing has changed. Uh, when I got started, I think Twitter was the only... Twitter had, I think, was in 2007. And, you know, people, bloggers were just starting to get on that Twitter train, you know, 2009, 2010. And of course, now, like, no bloggers are using Twitter to promote their content, like, in the lifestyle space. Whereas before, that was, you know, the place to be. So, you know, you have things like Twitter and Facebook and Pinterest and Instagram and... TikTok, like all those things didn't exist. And all of your networking happened in your blog comments, which is now pretty strange because most of the time your interaction with your 
customers or your audience happens either in Facebook or through email. It's just very different. And then I talk a lot too about how when I first got started, I didn't even know what an email list was. I didn't know, you know, why would someone even want to give you their email? I think I had an RSS feed, which I don't even know if those still exist anymore, but I had an RSS feed for years and then realized, oh, I need to be, you know, creating lead magnets and reasons for people to sign up so I can talk to them on a regular basis. So I think certain things have changed in that it's so much easier to communicate with people. There's so many different ways that you can build that relationship with your audience. And it's nice too, because you can pick, you don't do all of them. You know, if Facebook is where your people are, then that's where you invest your time and your resources and your money. If your people are on Pinterest, that's where you spend your time. So in that way, I think it's great because when I got started, we really just had comments and that was about it. And that, and we interacted on Twitter. We would have, you know, conversations and Twitter parties and things like that. What I think hasn't changed at all is that your content and your authenticity still has to be your best. I think that the people that are still around today that when I got started, someone like Amy Allen Clark, I'm not sure if you know her, but she runs a site called Mom Advice. You know, she's still around. She's been at it long, much longer than I have. But it's because she puts out quality content. She puts out quality blog posts. She puts out quality Facebook posts. She puts out quality Pinterest content. And I think that is one thing that's never changed in this space. And that if you can create something of quality, you will get readers, you will get customers. So what does quality mean to you? Like, are there like five points to making a quality piece of content or, you know, something where we can check those boxes and make sure that like the quality is there? Because I know, at least for me, like, I've seen others as well. It kind of second guess, like, is this good enough? Because we care so much. But then also, like, I guess, what are your tips for helping our content stand out? I think the first thing is just the really basic formatting. Is it easy to read? People skim content, right? So are you using the heading tags? Are you creating those bolded words just to make it easy for people to skim and get the main idea? It's not the same as your typical writing. Lots of white space, short paragraphs. I think that's the first step is just making something very pleasing to the eye, whether because a lot of people are reading on their tablet or their phone today too. And so that's become more critical is just making something easy to read. The second thing that I would say for people would be not chasing the trends. If you are a great cook and you are, you know, you do all sorts of recipes, don't all of a sudden become a keto cook because everyone's writing keto recipes. If you're not keto, then don't be keto. And I think that's where people get tripped up a little bit is they start to see that something is doing really well, like in in general in the space. And then they try to hop on it, even though they lack maybe the experience. And instead of focusing on something that they're really great at, like maybe their recipes are all five ingredients or they take 30 minutes or less or something like that. Instead of just like really honing in on your strengths, you try to sort of grab these other things that you see are popular. And then what happens is the content you're creating is just never going to be as good as the person who's truly into the keto diet or is truly someone who's into interior design or something like that. So I think that's probably the second thing is just staying really authentic to your expertise because everyone is an expert. I truly believe everyone has an expertise And that if you sort of stay in your lane, you will do really well. It's when people start to sort of diverge because they see 
the think the grass is greener, that their content starts to diminish a little bit. And they're not able to provide the audience with, I think, where the value is because it's not their forte. And that doesn't mean you can never write a recipe that is not keto. But I've seen people just try to pivot, but they don't have all the knowledge there to do so. Does that make sense? Yeah. So stay with... I mean, going back to the authenticity piece, like stay with what you know and what you're passionate about too. Because I think that that comes out is that if I'm writing about something that's, you know, I could write about it, but it's not of, you know, greatest interest to me, then I think that's going to come out and people are going to receive that as they're reading it. Absolutely. And then I think, you know, where you really see that authenticity shine in people is what I love to do is to create that piece of content and then try to put it in as many places as I can. So creating those quality images for Pinterest, creating that engaging copy on Facebook. And that's the thing, unless you're a copywriter, and most people are not copywriters, it's hard to create engaging content about something you don't care about. And when you care about something and you're passionate about something, you can't shut people up about it. And so creating that copy and that content becomes so much easier, especially on social media, which is why I think just kind of staying in your expertise is so important. And then... Even something that I think is really important today that was not important at all when I got started was video. Is getting on video, getting on Facebook Live, getting on IGTV, YouTube, wherever, and putting that content there because so many more people are consuming content in the form of video as opposed to reading. That's great. Okay. So when you started growing Happy Housewife, like when was it like, okay, this is a sustainable business, like things are rocking and rolling and you really saw traction? Like how long did that take you? I was fortunate. And I always say this, like all of the people that started around when I did, we were very fortunate that we were the first people to get going. And there's a huge advantage to being first, just like there's a huge advantage to getting on Instagram in the beginning, right? Or any new platform. Those people tend to grow quicker. And you know, within a year, the blog was probably making... Four or five hundred dollars a month, which back in like you know two thousand eight, two thousand nine, was a ton of money for like a stay-at-home mom. So I didn't have any childcare costs. I didn't have anything, and I was thrilled. You know that I was just it was like, hey, that's spending money or vacation money or something like that. And then probably within eighteen months, it hit me that this was more than I was realizing. Like I'm gonna have to pay taxes, and I'm gonna have to file a tax return. You know, like all these things that you don't really think about when you're just starting something that you have no idea where it's going to go initially. And it was about 18 months in where I think I called an accountant and I said, I'm not sure what I'm doing and I think I'm going to need help. And then I owed a lot of money that year on taxes, which was a very sad moment. But uh, you know, that was sort of the turning point when I had to get an accountant. And not that everybody needs an accountant, but when I got an accountant and realized that I needed to like set up an LLC, because I didn't do any of that in the beginning because no one told you how to do that. I mean, you just... There wasn't any... Like today, there's so many awesome resources that are free that tell you like, Hey, here's how you set up a business. Here's how you do this. You know, There wasn't any of that out there. So I was just guessing on most of those things. And I think when I set up the LLC and sort of... That was like the moment of, Oh, this is a real job. You know, this isn't just for fun. I love that. So how did that change with like your family dynamic? Did you begin devoting more time to it? Or did you always just devote about the same amount of time to it? What does that look like? You know, I think there are ebbs and flows. There were definitely periods where I devoted probably too much time, but just because you get excited about something and you become obsessed and you spend every waking moment working on it. And, you know, I would get up at four o'clock in the morning and I would write till eight o'clock and then I, my kids would get up and then we'd do school and 
family stuff. And then at two o'clock, it was like, everyone have their quiet time. And I would work, you know, right until five o'clock. And then as soon as they went to bed at eight o'clock, I would be right back on the computer. Uh, And that's not very balanced. But in the initial, you know, when you're initially starting something, you have that level, that hustle excitement where it doesn't even feel like work. And today I would never do that today. (laughs) But, you know, also my kids were younger, so I didn't have the ability to like right now sit in my office and they will, none of them are going to come in because, you know, the youngest one's 11. So there's a big difference today. But yeah, I don't think much changed. I think my kids just realized, they actually realized there were a lot of benefits from me working because our lifestyle changed a little bit and not a ton. We're, we're still pretty frugal. But you know, we would take a vacation, whereas before we hadn't taken a vacation, things like that. So they were, I think... And we got a lot of free stuff. As a blogger, especially when I got started, people wanted to send you stuff all the time. We had packages arriving at our door usually every day. So for them, that was very exciting because they felt like they were getting rewarded, uh, even though they weren't really doing anything. You know, they were getting toys and treats and all sorts of other stuff. That's exciting. So, are you kind of teaching your kids about entrepreneurship and kind of paving their own path? It's funny. I was not. (laughs) I should have when they were little, and it was only when I started in e-commerce that that sort of took over because that actually did take over our family's life, not on purpose. But when I started in e-commerce, I didn't know what to expect. I had a partner and it, we had an idea of what to sell. And we just were in the right place at the right time. And our products just took off to the point where we were constantly out of stock and trying to ship stuff into Amazon, trying to ship stuff for ourselves. And the first year that we were selling jewelry on Black Friday, we had, I want to say like 987 orders on Amazon, which I mean, that's small potatoes compared to some Amazon sellers. But for me, that was crazy. And it was, you know, 10x what we had done, you know, the month before. And we didn't have any stock at Amazon. So I switched Amazon to Merchant Fulfilled, which means usually when you sell on Amazon, you send all your products to Amazon and they ship it and fulfill it and you don't touch it. But because we were out of stock, I was shipping everything out from my house. And not only that, we were still putting all the jewelry together ourselves. Like we hadn't perfected our process. So, you know, my children, my husband, my son in law, uh, pretty much anybody who walked by my front door got grabbed <laughs> and, you know, but got set at the dining room table or some of those like white folding tables from Costco and started either making jewelry, packaging jewelry, putting labels on packages because. I think over that first weekend, we fulfilled you know 2,000 plus orders. And when you're not used to doing that, uh, even if you are used to doing it, it's a very... But we didn't have a system. We didn't have a, we don't have a warehouse, you know, anything like that. Uh, and that's when my kids were like, wait, first of all, why are you making us do this on Thanksgiving weekend? And then second, I said, well, here's what the jewelry costs us and here's what we sell it for. So here's the profit. And it was like little light bulbs went off in their head, kind of like, wait, what? You know, how much money do you make off each of these? And I think for them, they got excited because they saw sort of the reality of it. But they also saw the cruddy side where you're sitting there covered in printering, trying to, you know, put together jewelry and mail packages on a holiday weekend. That's well, I mean, talk about like fast track to learning, like how to run an actual business and what's involved. I mean, with a tangible product like that and shipping it out and fulfill customer requests. I mean, that that had to have been like 
kind of an exciting moment. I'm, I'm sure it was kind of stressful at the time, <laughs> but um, looking back, you probably have good memories of, around that. And then like the lessons learned, you know, during that time as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I felt like that was my kids got it, I think, at that point, because a lot of times with blogging, I hate to say this word, but it's like funny money because, you know, you're making affiliate revenue or ad revenue, but you're not doing anything like physically. Like your kids can't see you doing something. You know, my husband, not right now because of COVID, but typically gets up every day, gets dressed and goes to work, comes home at, you know, six o'clock at night. And so there's this sort of like tangible. And for me, it's like, well, sometimes I'm working because I'm doing a video and sometimes I'm working because I'm sitting at my computer and sometimes I'm working because we're at Disney World, right? And it's the blog stuff is so you know, murky as far as, you know, what's working and what's not. Whereas like when you have a physical product, like it was very clear when we were sitting at that table, putting jewelry together, we were all working. So where did that idea come from to get into the physical product space? Because I mean, you know, trucking along with your blog and making this money, you know, the funny money from, you know, doing a video or going to Disney World and, you know, having these other opportunities for money. Where did, where did the idea for a physical product come in? And then why did you decide to pursue that and add that to the number of things on your plate. Yeah. I was just, I was so bored. I needed to find more things. No. So about 2012, I started doing a lot of consulting. Just when I got that first set of Twinkies, it, it's that light bulb moment for me was, you know, I want to work with brands. I want to work with brands. And at first it was like sponsored content where you write posts on your blog and they pay you. But what I really wanted to do is I actually wanted to work with the brands to create these campaigns because what I was seeing was that brands were not really great with working with bloggers because they were they were trying to tell bloggers what to say. And I'm thinking the whole point of working with bloggers is to let them use their voice to promote your products, not for you to push your stuff on them. And I really felt like there was a need there to have someone sort of in the middle. And so in 2012, I started doing a lot of consulting and it took off and it you know, I had a lot of success with it, but I was very busy and I was traveling. And the whole reason why I had started blogging was it was a job I could do that let me spend time with my family. And then I was gone all the time. And I felt like, well, this kind of defeats the purpose of, you know, working from home because now I'm not home anymore. But the consulting money, if you're familiar with consulting, the money is usually pretty good. And so at that point, I thought, well, if I'm going to stop doing this or phase it out. I need to have another source of income that can sort of replace this. And I had actually met Steve Chu the year before and he, you know, he teaches about selling physical products as well. And I had watched some of his lessons and I thought, you know, how hard can this be? How hard can it be to get products and sell them to people? And I felt like because I already had this blog audience, it would be easy to sell to because most people that sell products want an audience. Well, I already had the audience. I just needed the product. So for me, it was just to try to replace the consulting income because I just wanted to be at home more and have more time with my family. So then what were the first steps that you took to actually get that off the ground and then introduce it to your audience? So the I took like the standard, if you read or watch anybody in that space, you know, finding a product that has low competition. It's kind of like SEO, you know, low competition product, but a decent search volume. And then, you know, I actually ordered my products off Etsy. So I would order pieces of jewelry off Etsy and then put them together myself. Uh, or my partner would too. We both worked together on that. Because that was before... I, w- I wasn't really comfortable going like overseas to order products right away because that just seemed like a whole nother complication. And so that's how we got started. And we actually... It was funny. We 
decided we were going to launch on Jane, which is a daily deal site. And we were going to, you know, put our jewelry up there and we were going to, you know, sell it for really cheap, but we were going to get, you know, this basically start to get like momentum. Well, we put it on Jane and it was a total flop. Like, I don't, I think we had two sales in like four days and we were priced like some, you know, $2.99 or $3.99, something like that. And so I was like, well, this stuff sucks, you know, like <laughs> I would just expect it. I don't know why I thought I was just going to immediately sell everything, but I did. And I ended up listing it on Amazon because I thought, well, I'll just look. We had 200 necklaces. And so I just listed them on Amazon and I posted it on my personal Facebook page. And my friends were like, oh, this is great. We'll go buy one. And I think they were just trying to be nice. And what happens with Amazon is, you know, once a product starts to get sales, then it starts to rank and search and then it starts to appear, you know, more often. And then, you know, you're getting the reviews. And so that sort of snowball effect happens. And that's exactly what happened. We basically snowballed on Amazon, which kept us in a like huge inventory problem our first year or so because we, we couldn't keep up with the demand. Uh, so I actually never introduced my products to my readers to this day. Wow. Uh, now I now I you know it's in my bio on my about page and you know every once in a while I'll include it in a post. But we had so many inventory problems the first like year and a half that we got started. I just we weren't trying. We got very fortunate with our jewelry that we were right place, right time, and never had to. But I would absolutely do if I was to do it again. I would absolutely be promoting the heck out of it on Facebook and probably running ads and everything else. Wow. I mean, that's a great story. And I, I mean, I kind of appreciate too that it started off with, you know, quote unquote failure that you thought it was going to do well on, on Jane and then it didn't. So that caused you to look for other ways to sell the the product and then you found the right one and it worked. Yeah. And you know, it was it was really depressing because I guess in my mind I thought, well, if, you know, if this thing is 299, I don't remember what the price was. It was very very low. I mean, like we were basically not we might have been breaking even when you kind of like the shipping and everything. But when you can't sell something for $2.99, you're kind of like, wait, you know, do I have the right product? What's, what's wrong with me? Uh, and it just wasn't the right product for Jane, I don't think. I mean, I think it was just, it wasn't a great fit, but it clearly was the right fit for Amazon. And then a couple months in, we, I built the Shopify store for the products as well, just because I didn't want to be uh, super dependent on Amazon. Although we do definitely get more of our sales from Amazon than anywhere else. So what does that business look like today? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you have a fulfillment process. <laughs> where, where does that stand today? <laughs> so today it's kind of on autopilot. We send inventory into Amazon. We have the Shopify site. I still fulfill from Shopify from my house, but we have, you know, it's much more streamlined. Everything has a SKU and we have label printers and, you know, two or three of my kids are trained on how to fulfill orders. So they can actually do it when I'm gone. They don't need me at all, which is a huge help. But yeah, it's just, it's right now, it's just on autopilot because as you can tell from my personality, I like to uh, switch, switch it up. And what I found with e-commerce was, and I love e-commerce because there's an anonymity to it that there's not with blogging that you can sort of hide behind a product or a store. And when you're always doing videos and you're always, you're the face of your own site, after a while, sometimes you, I got very burnt out. I mean, that was one of the reasons why e-commerce was so appealing to me is that I was like, I don't want to write any more blog posts. I can't write any more posts about saving money on laundry. I've written them all, you know? Because like in the lifestyle space, there's stuff doesn't change, you know? You save money the same ways every time, you, you know? I mean, so I just needed something different with e-commerce. And once I got e-commerce on autopilot, you know, I basically let... That's running. And then I jumped into the blogging... I jumped into the blogging course. 
So with the blog though, how is that running? Is that also like kind of on autopilot or what is your involvement with the blog now? Do you have a team around you that helps to run the blog? So I had a team for several years when I was heavily involved in the consulting and when I was launching the e-commerce, someone was basically doing everything on my site. But once I sort of pivoted out of all of that, I took my site totally back. My site... Actually, it was a conversation I had with Deacon Hayes uh, at FinCon. And we were chatting about blogging and SEO and all these things. And he said, you know, you, you need to get back into your site. Basically, you have so much good content in there that's sort of just hidden right now because there was so much other content that wasn't as great because there had been so much content over the years. And it was sort of a kick in the pants that I needed to take it back and get back, you know, doing a content audit and you know, evaluating all the different posts on the site, trying to figure out what I wanted to focus on, you know, working on SEO, all those different things. And it had all been happening, but I wasn't in control of it. And so I needed to take the control back. So now are you publishing new content, just consistently updating old content? What does that look like today? I post... This is kind of funny. I post like once a month on the blog only because I have... When I started my content audit, I had 13,000 posts on my website. And these are like full-on content posts. These aren't deals or anything like that. You know, one line and a link. These were full-on articles. And I've... Now with my audit, I think I'm down to about 4,000 posts where I've either combined content, the old content or redid it or just deleted if it wasn't good. And so now my goal is to refresh two to three posts a week and then publish one totally new post a month. I was taking notes. But I was also looking at your site because I do see like consistently... I mean fresh content, new content being published. And so that's what I was curious. Like, How are you still managing, I mean, the successful blog, running that and doing it yourself on top of everything else? (laughs) Well, I think... I'm sure you know this too. Like once you've been doing something for a while, I was talking the other day with some people in the course and they said, how long do you spend writing a blog post? And I said, well, all of my blog posts are things that I've done or am doing. It's either a project that I've done or a recipe that I've created or you know, an approach to something that I have with homeschooling or something like that. So for me, writing it does not take a lot of time. It's all the extra stuff that is the time suck. It's, you know, the editing of the content. It's the making sure that I'm linking to the right things. And, you know, what affiliate program do I want to try to use for this? Or do I want a lead magnet or an opt-in? Something like that. You know, that's where the time comes. So it's, it's not hard for me to create that content. It's more of the all the other steps, which I think are the ones that actually make or break your website as far as you know, growing your email list and, and things like that that are a little more time-consuming. But having an old site that's just been cranking out stuff for years is definitely an advantage because you know, there's a whole system and process down. I'm not trying to recreate anything, you know? I love that. And well, I mean, what you've been able to build with multiple businesses now is, you know, you do the work up front and obviously it's not like a little bit of work. It's it's can be very intense to get this going. But then once it's going, then you figured out and created systems and processes to be able to get it to go on autopilot. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the key with any business, honestly, is that if you can really try initially to create a system for everything that you do, then when you have someone come in and help you, it's much easier for them to come in and help because everything's already created. Or two, it's just much easier to sort of follow your own routine. And 
I love, I mean, for me, and I know there's a lot of people and I would probably caution people against having multiple business most of the time because I think it's very easy to get distracted. But I like the multiple business angle because like right now, I'm not allowed to send anything in for Amazon for our jewelry because of, you know, they're only taking essential goods. So they've blocked all sellers from sending in products, which I, I'm not complaining. That's obviously that's the case right now. And that's fine. So that business has slowed down because of COVID because I can't ship stuff out to Amazon. But my blog is booming right now because of all the content on it is just perfect for a recession. You know, how do you make your own bread? How do you homeschool your kids? All that stuff, you know, people love right now and they're searching for. So posts that were written 10 years ago are getting traffic right now because people need that information. I love that. And I mean, you've got the diversification of income streams. And, you know, one thing might be slowing down, but another thing is doing really well. So, okay. And then along the way, you had this great idea. Well, you've you've created multiple conferences. So Digital Collab that was Success Incubator, which is where I met you at Success Incubator and FinCon in 2017. And now Seller Summit the last few years with Steve Chu. So where did the idea to adding conferences to the mix you know, being online wasn't enough. You wanted to get in front of people and, <laughs> and get together with people. Well, I love... I think you do too. We love conferences. Yes. I love seeing or meeting people in person. And the conference idea actually came... I don't know if you remember Blistem, which I think actually just made a re, resurgence this year. But 10, 11, whatever, 2009, I think maybe. It was like this blog conference. And, I, you know... Of course, my family thought I was nuts to like get on a plane and fly to Nashville to go to a conference to meet people that I had met online. And I was even rooming with people that I had never met in person. And they just were, you know, they were like, you're crazy. You don't go meet people online. You know, it's just like the worst thing ever. And uh, so we went to the conference and I met, actually, I met Aaron Chase at $5 Dinners. I met Andrea there, you know. So I met all these people and we just developed friendships from meeting. And through that, we started talking because the conference was great and it was great for networking, but nobody talked about making money. And all of us at that point were making some sort of income on our website. And through our own personal chats, we started talking about, okay, well, where did you get that affiliate link? Or you know, how do you get into that program? Or how did you work with Frito-Lay or whatever it was? And we realized that there just wasn't any conference or any like knowledge base for people that wanted to talk about making money. And this was, you know, now everyone publishes income reports and that kind of stuff seems much more commonplace. But back then, nobody talked about how much money they were making. Nobody talked about how they were making the money. And we felt like, wouldn't it be awesome if we could just tell everybody how to make money and everybody could make money from their blogs? Like, wouldn't that be great? So that's why we started the conference in 2000. I think we did our first thing in 2010. And we basically did a dinner for people where we had table leaders and they sat at these tables and they talked like it was all about making money. And there, I mean, we had people write blog posts about us, about how we were terrible people. It was like looking back on it, it's hilarious because people like brag about money now. But back then people were, you know, saying, how dare they, you know, do this and talk about money and, you know, all this stuff. And we're like, really? Yeah. So we, that's, that was the whole reason it started is we felt like we didn't have a resource. And we were also kind of accidental business owners. I mean, like I was saying before, I didn't know how to do an LLC. I didn't know like what my rights were. I didn't know how to copyright content. 
And we decided to have this conference to basically teach people the whole business side of blogging. And we didn't really know it either. We just felt like we could find people that knew more than us and have them come speak and then go from there. So that's... I did not plan to be a conference person, coordinator in any way, shape or form. Just... I fell into it because I, I wanted something for myself. And so we, we couldn't find it. So we created it. That's so great. Well, I love that story because I mean, it comes back to you know how a lot of great businesses are born where you're just trying to fulfill a need for yourself. And you know, I love how you guys weren't coming at it. It was like, you know, we could make a lot of money if we got people together and told them how to make money. It was all about <laughs> like you saw there was a missing, a missing piece of the puzzle here that you had a lot of answers that you could help share with people. And so I love that that's the way that it came together. And I mean, though, before I even attended Success Incubator, I mean, I heard so many great things about it. And it was a fantastic conference and just a great experience that you guys all put together. And so now you've been doing Seller Summit with Steve for the last few years. When did that come about? So that came about uh, from a conversation I had with Steve after going through his course. He has a course on how to sell products online. And the one thing I felt that was missing from his course, which I just like is such a core part of who I am is that community side. And I said, Steve, you're just really unapproachable. And I think you need to be more down to earth with people. And you can do that by having a conference. And he thought I was nuts for like probably six or seven months. And then at some point he said, okay, you know, what would I have to do? How would this work? And I said, well, I can run the whole conference. You just need to sell the tickets and, you know, let's do this together. And that's kind of how we got started with that. And I, it really has built a great community of people in the e-commerce space as well. And there's, there's other e-commerce conferences too that are great. But he, you know, he has his own like group of people from his course. So it was just a great way for him to sort of solidify that community that he already had. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall when you're telling Steve that he's unapproachable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but yeah, I, you know, he is, whatever. <laughs> I love how you guys like feed off of each other too and how like he'll crack jokes at your expense and you're like totally cool with it. But then <laughs> you'll get him back. I'll get um, him back. <laughs> you guys are very fun to watch. And now you have profitable online blog together. So this is a great course to tell, like teach people how to build a profitable online blog because you both have done it. Steve's got his profitable blog as well that he's built up over the years, um, in addition to e-commerce as well. So talk to us about that. Like what is in the course and who is this right for? So this course comes out of... It basically comes out of Digi Success Incubator. I think one of my passions in life is that once I figured out that as a mom, as a wife, that I could build this business. And and I definitely don't have it all. And I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm the most organized or, you know, my kids don't eat cereal for dinner. But I realized that, that I could have this career and also have a family and feel like there was some level of balance there. I just became really passionate about trying to give that to other people as best that I knew how. And obviously that looks very different for everyone. But you know that's why we you know, that's one of the reasons why we started digi and that's you know that was sort of my heart behind profitable online blog was that you know if i can teach people how to have the freedom that i feel like i have with my life and my businesses then you know i would probably do that for free don't tell steve cuz he'll cut me out but uh you know i would do that for people because i feel like it was such a vital part of my own life and you know, not to get all 
frou-frou, but like it definitely saved me from like having to go get a corporate job or just being really discontent with, you know, all I do is hang out with my kids all day, which I love my kids. They're amazing. But I, I truly don't want to hang out with them 24-7. I like working, but I didn't want to sacrifice like, you know, practices and time with them. And so that's what that came out of. So the course is really... We start from the very beginning. Our very first module is, you know, you don't have a blog, you don't have an idea. And so that's where we get started and we help you narrow down your idea. We help you figure out how to, you know, test it, how to check SEO. And then we continue on. And Steve's really great with the whole, you know, teaching you how to set everything up and the whole technical side and WordPress. But we cover everything from like the very beginning to, you know, messenger marketing and Pinterest ads and hiring overseas VAs. So whether you're brand new at blogging or or you've been blogging for, you know, six or seven years, there's probably content in there for you. Love that. And I mean, two great people to learn from and <laughs> entertaining as well. <laughs> <laughs> there's an entertainment factor there for sure. <laughs> so what does your schedule look like with balancing all these different businesses and family? I mean, what does that look like? Is there a typical week that you can kind of share with us? You know, it's funny. It's my schedule changes all the time. I wish I could say that I've kept the same routine up for, you know, 15 years, but that's absolutely not true. You know, when my kids were little, I rarely worked during like their I never worked from like nine to noon. That was always, you know, because they were homeschooled too. Like that was our school time. That was the time that I was with them. You know, as they've grown older, it has changed because, you know, they don't need a lot of help right now. I mean, the youngest one's eleven and then there's fourteen and sixteen. So they're pretty much on their own. I, so I work like a typical day, you know, nine to like, usually nine to three. Uh, I guess that's not typical, but <laughs> typical for me. You know, I try to get on, you know, by nine o'clock and then I really try to wrap it up by about three, three thirty. Obviously, when you're doing a product launch or when we're launching the course, you know, there's days when you work into the night and things like that. But I try to keep it for, and I try not to work ever on the weekends if I don't have to. That's a new thing. One of the things I think if you love what you do, you tend to want to do it all the time. And that's definitely where I am with my businesses. I love them. I don't feel like I'm working most of the time. But I also don't want my kids to think that all I do is sit in front of a computer. And so I've tried really hard over the past couple of years just to not work on the weekends unless I absolutely have to. And so how do you keep everything straight as far as like what you need to do for each business and what takes priority right now? Is there any kind of structure you have for that? Or how do you manage those competing priorities? What does that look like? So I try to do it in days. Now, obviously, there's certain things like email that I check for, you know, the all every day, you know, I check email for everything every day. But, you know, on Monday is typically my day that I dedicate to my website and I spend the whole entire day on the website, whether it's updating old content, I have a graphic designer in the Philippines. So I send all the graphics to her. So whether I'm filling up her queue with things, writing a new post, planning out, you know, some Facebook lives, things like that. So I try to make Monday, I don't even look at the blog course or e-commerce at all on Mondays if I can help it. Tuesdays are sort of a flex day for me. I sort of do whatever is on fire. And then Thursdays is my day that I work primarily on the course. So I record new lessons. We do a live lesson for the course every Thursday. As we talked earlier, I try to do all of my video on Thursday because I get dressed <laughs> into more video appropriate attire. And uh, so video, you know, Thursday is like my video and record day. And then 
Friday is sort of that, you know, catch up on anything. And then the e-commerce sort of just works itself in, you know, if there's orders to fulfill, usually my kids fulfill them. And I have someone doing customer service on that. So I don't spend a ton of time in the email anyway. I love that. So what is next for you? I know the Profitable Online blog is relatively new. And so what is you know next on the horizon? Is there going to be another business, another project coming down the way? Or are you content for now? Of course, there's another project, Monica. Come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so we're actually going to launch a YouTube channel to go with the blog, uh, the Profitable Online blog course. That's going to be our main marketing leg of the course. Right now, we're not doing a ton of marketing because we're still... Even though we have students who are running the course, we haven't completed all the lessons. Uh, so there's some of the modules that aren't fully completed with lessons in there. So the YouTube channel is one of the main things. And that's been a little bit on hold just because of all the COVID stuff going on. And then for the past... I think... I don't know if you know this. I've had like a podcast idea brewing for a long time. And I just need to... I actually have everything done. The website's up and everything. I just need to launch it. What is that? Please share. <laughs> so everyone can go to my half, we're, half we're getting the broken good. website. Uh, so the, the podcast is called She Takes Charge. And the goal for the podcast is basically to interview successful female business uh, owners, entrepreneurs, and just talk about how they got where they are and how they built their businesses and how they did that by balancing just what it's like to be a female in that space. I love it. I love that idea. So that's yeah. exciting. Okay, that's going to be a great podcast. So when <laughs> I mean, we don't we don't we need to hold you to Which, it. Which of course you'll have to come on it. Oh, I would love to. <laughs> um, tentatively, do you have like a launch date for that month or so? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well. Yes, Chris Peach, who I think you are very oh, yes. familiar with, but he's holding my butt to the fire on that right now. So yeah, it needs to be it needs it's ready to go. It just needs to launch. So I've had a couple of little technical difficulties which are not huge deals, but that's the one thing I think is the negative of when you have a lot of uh, irons in the fire is when you run into a snag with something, a lot of times you're like forget it, I'll just work on another business. Because you have another business to work on. If that was my only thing, if like the podcast meant that I wouldn't eat, then the podcast would be ready, right? Right. So I think there's there's a little bit in when one of the drawbacks of having a couple businesses is that when things get complicated, it's easy just to like jump ship for a couple weeks and move to something else and then go back to it, which, you know, go figure. Well, so I'm trying to narrow down like a date, like summer, potentially summer yes, 2020. We'll say summer. <laughs> okay. we'll say summer. I'll schedule okay, you for an interview. You can be one okay. of my first people. Awesome. I would love that. Okay. Wonderful. Well, that's very exciting. Um, I mean, that's like the medium that you haven't gone down yet, have you? Yes. Have you, you've never had your own podcast. No, not really. I did <laughs> a podcast. the one thing with... online you have not yet done. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to um, fill that gap. That's right. Well, you know, I just, I love podcasts. I love listening to them and I feel like I feel like it's not saturated. You know, like I probably would not start the Happy Housewife again if I was I, I would definitely start another blog. I don't know if I would start one like the Happy Housewife. I would probably do much more niche specific. But yeah, I feel like that's an area and it's something that is sort of it doesn't fit with the Happy Housewife. Like my readers do not want to hear about this. And that's fine. I don't expect them to want to hear about this. So I needed a place to be able to talk about something that I really I'm passionate about and not lose my audience because I, I mean, I really firm believer in that authenticity stuff. Like, I don't just say that. I don't want to alienate my readers because I have this sort of side passion that 
they just want recipes. They want to know how to save money. They do not care about people that started a business. That They're not interested in that at all. Well, that's very exciting. I'm very excited for the podcast. That's going to be one that I definitely subscribe <laughs> to and listen to. So very cool. Well, this has been fantastic. I appreciate you sharing all the things. I, I mean, what I love about your story, Tony, is that you know you dispel all the myths of that it's too hard or that. And I know, like when I was first getting started online, I felt like it was just like impossible to have like young kids and like be consistent with my blog. Like it just felt like very challenging. And while I'm sure like you had those you know challenges as well. Like once you put your mind to something and you develop a process and a system to doing it and you're you're focused on what your goal is, you know, it may not be fast, but you can, you know, look back and realize that you've come farther than you expected. So anyway, and kudos to you with all your success and all these amazing avenues. And I'm I have no doubt that the podcast is going to take off as well. <laughs> Coming for you. Thank you very much. As a seasoned <laughs> podcaster, that's uh, I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Okay. Well, thank you so much. So where should people go to find you? You're all over and soon to become, you know, in a podcast player near you. So where, where would you point people to? <laughs> the best place to find me is probably right now at profitableonlineblog.com. And if you're interested in blogging, we do have like a free little mini course that walks you through the, the basic steps of getting set up. If you're even thinking about doing that, I still think you can start blogging and make money. I feel like every couple months I meet this blogger that I've never heard of before. And you know, they're like, Oh, I get 5 million page views a month and I make this kind of money. And you're like, I've never even heard. I feel, I feel like I should know everybody at this point, but um, I think there's still room in the space for, for anybody. So that's probably the place that I would go if you want to find me right now. That's where I'm spending the bulk of my time. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your journey with us and all your insights. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me. I want to thank Tony once again for joining me on the podcast today and sharing her insights with us. As you can tell, Tony is just so down to earth and I'm so glad to call her a friend. And if you're wanting to grow your own profitable online blog, then Tony and her business partner, Steve Chu, are two of the best people you can learn from. So be sure to check out profitableonlineblog.com. They both earn seven figures per year from their respective blogs and have built multiple successful online businesses. This was a jam-packed episode, so I'd love to hear your biggest takeaways. Please share those with us in the comments at monicalouie.com slash 55, or you can tag us on Instagram. I am at Flourish with Monica, and Tony is at Tony H. Anderson, T-O-N-I-H Anderson on Instagram. You can find all the links and resources that Tony and I mentioned in this episode at monicalouie.com slash 55. And thank you so much for joining Tony and me today. If you are ready to scale your business with Facebook ads, then I invite you to check out my free Facebook ad starter kit. You can find that at monicalouie.com slash guide. The starter kit takes you through the six simple steps to creating campaigns that convert. Plus, there's a pretty awesome checklist so you can make sure you've got everything you need before you jump into the ads manager. And if you're like me, then you appreciate a good checklist. And if you're interested in learning more about how my team and I might be able to help you with your Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest ads, go to monicalouie.com slash WWM. We have information there about our services. Just once again, as I mentioned, I'll have all the links and resources that we mentioned today in the show notes, which you can find at monicalouie.com slash 55. 
And if you found this helpful, please leave a rating and review so that more people can find this podcast. It truly helps get the podcast found by more people. And subscribe so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. And next week, I'll be sharing what goes into creating a successful online business. I'll be talking about the key elements you must have for success. So please join me for next week's episode of the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. That's all for today. Take care, stay healthy, and let's flourish. Flourish.